Greetings, this is Leon Armstrong, the founding pastor of World Overcomers Ministries Church in the city of Madison, Mississippi. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Living Truth Broadcast. To learn more about our ministry, you can visit us on the web at woministries.org. If you are visiting in the Jackson, Madison, Mississippi area, you are welcome always to be our guest. You can locate us at 444 Pebble Creek Drive, Madison, Mississippi. It is our prayer that you are richly blessed by the Word of God. Please receive now our word for today.
I want to ask you to turn with me to the book of Acts uh, chapter 4, chapter 4. And I'm still talking about the inheritance or inheriting God, inheriting God, inheriting God. And I pray that you take this to heart, you take this uh, very seriously as far as uh, our opportunity and time and how blessed we are as a people to live in the last days, uh, that it's not just about salvation and going to heaven. There's a bigger picture involved here and it is about inheriting. Uh, all people have an inheritance in God, but all people will not receive the inheritance if they do not qualify by growing up in the word. And so we saw on last Sunday where Paul prayed and he talked to the church of Ephesus and he said to them, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance. Uh, today, I want to just show what that inheritance starts to look like as we start to inherit God, as we start to learn and understand his word. How does that look? Uh, what, what defines us? What image do we take on? Uh, what behavior comes forth? Uh, how are we transformed? What does that transformation look like? What are the telltale signs? So we want to examine this today in this uh, writing and this accumulation of texts in the book of Acts uh, chapter 4. And just to lead into this before we read, this is leading up or comes on the heels of uh, the apostles Peter and John having uh, gone up to worship at the temple. And at the gate, they see a man who had been lame and could not walk from birth. And the man is begging for alms as people are going into the temple gate. And James and John look upon this man and they fix their eyes upon him. And suddenly they are just charged with a supernatural quickening, as it were, an, an unction just to speak to this man and tell him, look on us. He says, silver and gold have we none, but such as we have we give unto thee. And in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And the man gets up and he starts walking, he starts running, he starts leaping. A miracle has just taken place. It's notable and he's hugging them and he's screaming and he's joyful and the people see this and they start gathering around. And so then Peter takes the opportunity to pray. He said, listen, don't, don't, look, at, don't look at us as if we did this by our power. There's no holiness within us. There's no good within us that did this. This came straight from God through what Jesus did. This is vindication of Jesus obeying God to come and die for the sins of the world. And he said, you yielded him over to Pilate and you could have set him free, but you required a murderer to be set free and you killed the king of glory whom you crucified. And he says, it is through him that this man has been restored and his strength has come in his body and he's made whole and he preaches to them Jesus and people are convicted by this message because they see a tangible power of a miracle have, have taken place. And then what follows is that after they deal with the people in the crowd, that they see the rulers come out and the rulers are going to now put them on the spot and they're going to have a response for these rulers. Okay. And so we'll pick up here in uh, chapter four, uh, verse one. And what we'll be talking about today 
is the spirit of boldness. We're talking about the spirit of boldness. This is an infusion I think we need in our hearts uh, as believers who are living in the last days to see what the beginning of the church started with. Let me tell you something. How it started is how it's going to end, but much greater. All right. So the church was initiated with coming into the need of boldness. And so uh, let's just start from verse one, uh, if you will, brother uh, Rick. Uh, and it says, uh, chapter four, verse one, and as they spake unto the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved, they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold or prison until the next day, for it was now eventide or evening. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number uh, of the men was about 5,000, uh, which is far greater than it was the first time that they had preached. Uh, it was 3,000 that first came into the church, and now here's 5,000. And it came to pass on uh, the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes, and Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priests were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? All right, so that's now, here's a problem. Here's a controversy. Here is something that has begun at the beginning of the church age. Here is a despise against the name of Jesus, which he said, he told them that there will be troubles, there will be persecution, there will be times because the people of this world hate me. They hate my name. You are mine. You belong to me. If they hate me, they're going to hate you. But here's the first sign of persecution to the church that Jesus, uh, he promised, he stated in the word. And so here's a problem. You have... Two fishermen who were ones that were disciples of Jesus. They're uneducated. Um, they don't have status. They don't have position. Uh, they're not known to be religious uh, leaders or anything like that in the community. They're just fishers who gave up their career to follow Jesus. And on the other side of this controversy, uh, you have the religious uh, leaders, the educated, the ones that have the power, uh, they have the money, the riches. They are the society's elite, as it were. They are the ones who like to uh, lift themselves as being the ones that, that people want to be like. And so here they are having a problem. What is the problem? What's going on? What's got them all upset? What's got them riled that they would take these two fishermen, not 20 fishermen, not 100, just two fishermen to take them prison and to highlight the question them with who have you done this by? What name? What name are you using to do this? Because the fact of the matter is there was a miracle that was done and the whole community saw it and they were all amazed with wonderment 
and they could not deny that a miracle was done because everyone knew this man. He was over 40 years old. He had been crippled from birth and everyone knew him to be at the gate year after year begging. And so no one can say this man was a fake that they just created this, that this, they brought a man here who said he was crippled and now he's acting here. No, everyone knew this man. And now this man was standing up walking and talking and jumping and joyful. So they could not deny that a true miracle was done. You would think if the religious leaders saw this, that they would stop and pull back and say, you know what, this was for real and we can't say anything about this. This, this, there's something to this Jesus. But no, it only riled them more to try to stop the name of Jesus, to try to question and to create a despise. Listen, I want you to know this and understand this here at World Overcomers. Understand the world that we live in. In this world there is no congeniality or no love for the name of Jesus. It has been that way from the beginning and it has never changed for the last 2,000 years. People in this world or mindsets of this world that love darkness, that love the schemes of men, that love position and power that this world gives has no love for Jesus, for the name of Jesus. There's no love for it. And so whenever the name of Jesus comes, there is nothing that people want to identify with that. They don't want you to have a nativity scene. They don't want you to talk about the cross. They don't want anything to do with the name of Jesus. But thanks and praise be to God, two fishermen were, were, were sparked by the Holy Spirit to say to these men, we do this in the name of Jesus. Give, 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 let's go to the next scripture. Uh, verse 15. We're just skipping ahead, we're gonna go back and forth. But when they had commanded them to go outside, because they, they couldn't say anything to this. So they, they told them to go outside. He says, well, when they had commanded them to go outside of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, what shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle had been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Isn't that something? Go to the next one. But that it spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them. Let us straightly what? Threaten them. So understand that in this world, that anytime you boldly or you stand up for the name of Jesus, the systems, the powers will want to threaten you. Okay. Verse 18, and they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in what? In the name of Jesus. Can you imagine to tell someone, don't speak, don't talk, don't say anything concerning the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, it has not changed. There is no desire to hear the name of Jesus in this world. Uh, let me just say this about the response, boldness, everybody say boldness. Boldness is an element of the inner man that is going to be uh, pronounced or going to be strengthened in God's people in these last days. It's gonna be needed. And boldness, let me say something about boldness. It's, it was said, I have different things when I started researching this and just you know letting the Lord deal with me on this and I, 
I say, God, thank you because I need this. I need this. I need this because I want to be strategic. I want to be uh, verbal. I want to be able to say what I need to say when I need to say it so that this world can know and hear your name, whether they accept it or not, whether they reject it, whether they laugh, scorn, whatever. The words of Christ and his name need to be announced and the church needs to make up their mind to stand for Jesus or just go back into the, to the world. But boldness in battle, understand this, it was written that uh, of a man about 75 years before Jesus came on the scene, he wrote this, he was a soldier, he was a leader, a commander of an army, and he said in battle, the greatest danger threatens those who show the greatest fear. The greatest danger or harm threatens those who show the greatest amount of fear. In other words, when you are bold, bold creates safety. We would think, we don't think that way. Bold, we think boldness is a risk. We think boldness is going to somehow put us in trouble. And it appears that they're in trouble. But let me say this, boldness is really safety. Those who are bold are winners. They would typically take the prize. Uh, when you are fearful, you're asking for trouble or harm to come to you because the enemy, every enemy or predator, one who thinks like, let's just take in nature, let's take in nature, think with me on this. If you ever watch the animal planet or when they show those lions hunting, these are natural predators. These are natural predators. There's, God has, has built in them the, the nature uh, of what predators, how they think. The devil thinks like a predator. And here's how predators operate. Predators do not aim at the strongest or the most agile or the most or the strongest, the boldest. The predator always seeks out who's weak, who's fearful, who, who's got a limp and can't hardly run as fast as the rest. That's who the enemy seeks out to take down. He doesn't take down uh, uh, the strong. He doesn't go after the strong. They bag away from the strong and the bold, but they go after the weak. I was sharing in Bible study a few weeks ago about the uh, goat and, and the scapegoat uh, message from the Old Testament and how Christ was our scapegoat and how that is still used today. Uh, we know what it means in our culture, in our society. But do you know that, hey, there are sheep farmers that farm and raise lambs still in the world today. They raise sheep, they raise lambs. And what they do now is that to protect those lambs, they put in the midst of the flock a goat that faints, a fainting goat. Have you ever heard of fainting goat? A goat that faints. It's, a, it's amazing, it's really amazing to see this goat that when he's startled, there's something in his brain that reacts that when he's scared, he, his legs freeze up and he falls over for a few minutes and then he gets up again. And you can scare him and he'll freeze up and he just falls over again. It's called a fainting goat, that's a real thing. They have now taken these goats and put them in the flocks with sheep so that if a predator comes, then that predator will see the goat faint. And the predator will lock in on that and take that as a sign of weakness and go after that goat and pounce on that goat and all the sheep will get a chance to run away. And so this is what Jesus did for us. He was dumb. He opened not his mouth. 
That's the opposite of being bold. Jesus played the role of the victim in order to pay for our sins. But now that he has risen again, he is the role of the lion. And he's telling us, I'm going to give you my spirit, which is a spirit of boldness because you're going to need it to survive and to thrive and to be blessed in this world. Anytime some of God's people want to take fear and hide in the closet and just bless other Christians and preach to the choir, there's no power there's no transformation in that but when you can step out and you can preach to the world and tear the gospel with people who don't know him and speak the name of Jesus there you'll see the power of God come through your boldness to speak the name of Jesus there's no victory in fear go to the next one uh, now when they saw the boldness Peter, when they saw the what? Of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned, ignorant men. They marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. I want to come back to that one. I want to read here, if you have it here, I don't know if I have it, if you have it up there, Rick, look at, I want to see, I want you to see this in verse, verses eight again. I don't know if we read that already. Let's look at verse eight. Look, look, look at verse eight and we'll read down to verse 12. I want you to see this because here's, here's the rest of that response. I think I need to give you this. In verse eight it says, then Peter filled with the Holy Ghost, ah, filled with what? Or should I say filled with who? The Holy Ghost. All right, because boldness, listen, I, and I, let me add this. Boldness is not a, something you just do in your human strength. All right, because if you do, I mean, you want to ask God to give it to you. All right, otherwise, you'll use boldness for the sake of being bold. All right, or you'll say things that aren't any relative to God and what God is saying. So it's not just being bold and it's not just speaking your mind, but it's being bold with what God is saying. And it's given an unction by the Holy Spirit. It's not being violent, it's not being argumentative, it's not being loud necessarily. It's saying the truth. It's saying the truth. It's saying what needs to be said based on what God is giving you to say and not hesitating. Not being reluctant, but to say what needs to be said in that moment. Okay? So he says here in verse 9, And if we this day be examined of the good deed done to this impotent man, by what means, is it made, by what means he is made whole? And in other words, you, you put us in and you took us prison just because we did a good deed? Verse 10, Be it known unto you, all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. Man, you don't go there with religious leaders. You don't tell a religious leader, hey, we did this by the name of Jesus, by the way, whom you crucified. You, you, nobody says that. Who goes there? 
I mean, I can see people saying, well, you know, it was, it was by the power of Jesus, and aren't you glad that this man was walking now? Or we, we kind of dodge that. We don't respond to religious leadership uh, that way, but, but except you have the Holy Spirit to give you the boldness and the words to say when it needs to be said, and you will say the truth based on it, and say it in love, by the way. Say it in love. Because God is not trying to argue or debate with anyone. God just simply wants the truth to be made known. And whether people accept it or not, even religious leaders, Jesus' name is the name that is above all names, and I'm not gonna be quiet about his name. Verse uh, 11, this is the stone which the, uh, was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. And then look at this, I love verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other name, for there is none other name or none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Hallelujah. There, there's no other name. Basically, he's like, there is nothing, no other name that's going to be mentioned when it comes to this subject of salvation and power and miracles. There's no other name. There's no name under heaven that can be used. There is nothing in Buddha, nothing in Muhammad, nothing in Harry Krishna. There is nothing even in within the church as far as any denomination. Being a Baptist doesn't save you. Being Pentecostal doesn't save you. Being Lutheran doesn't save you. Being Methodist doesn't save you. None of those things will save. There's only only one criteria it is the name of Jesus he has the name above all names and at that name every tongue shall confess every knee shall bow it is the name of Jesus who is above all names that name is the name whereby men shall be saved hallelujah come on y'all to give God praise for the name of Jesus you ought to clap right there and give the Lord praise I love that <laughs> You killed him. <laughs> you crucified him. I mean, you just don't, you're not going to win friends saying that. But they put emphasis on the other part too. Whom God raised from the dead. So you just, you just didn't kill him and, and he's gone and he's dead. He got up. He's alive. And he's giving life to others that, that will believe upon him. And you know, that's why verse 13 up here says, they took note that these men were ignorant and unlearned. And it's almost like these leaders are saying, you know, they should know who we are. How is it that, the, where do these guys come from responding to us this way? And it's almost like we, we, they couldn't define or couldn't wrap their mind around these guys are ignorant and unlearned, they're nothing like us, but they had the boldness to tell us that we crucified Jesus. They had the boldness to say even, hey, they took note that they had been with Jesus. You know why? It's not just that they walked with Jesus three and a half years. They took note that they had been with Jesus because three months ago, three or four months ago, these men were hiding. They were afraid when they took Jesus to be crucified. Now, these men are different now than when Jesus was crucified. So it's not that they were with Jesus for three and a half years before he was crucified. They had been with Jesus after he was raised from the dead. That's a difference. Because they were afraid 
from the three and a half years, but after he died and they saw him as a resurrected Jesus, this changed things within them. The Holy Spirit came upon them. They saw Jesus walking around. They talked with Jesus. Hey, listen, if you killed my leader and he got up, what, what are you gonna do to me? I am not going to close my mouth because if you kill me, I am going to get up again. So if my leader is walking around, I am not worried about you. I'm not afraid of you. That's what got those leaders. That's, this man has been with the rep. They should have put, I, I heard the spirit say the, the resurrected Jesus. They had been with the resurrected Jesus. That's what made the difference in these men's lives. Let me just talk to you about this. Boldness, everybody say boldness. Boldness, boldness means the liberty of speech. It is the liberty, no fear to speak. This is what we need to hear this because today many Christians suffer from some form of fear. We're afraid. We're timid, we won't speak in public. I'm, I'm talking real. We, we, we won't make a difference, we won't say anything in the office, among our coworkers, in our schools. They don't want us praying in schools. They don't want you bringing Jesus into the marketplace. And Christianity kind of backs away into the peripheral, quiet, and nothing to say. No, 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 no. That's what they want. I am determined, like Peter and John, to speak the name of Jesus. Listen, there's political correctness in the world now. Don't talk about people of this race. Don't talk about and create any racial epithets, which is right. We shouldn't say certain things and stereotypes about people. But what gets me is, I don't hear anyone stepping out and saying, don't say this about the name of Jesus. It'll offend those Christians. I don't hear anyone. You think somebody's gonna come up and stand up and cre create some form of political cor correctness for the Christian race and say, don't talk about Jesus. Don't say, don't use his name in vain. They may be offended by that. No, there's no concern about the name of Jesus. In fact, people just go around and say, you know, I heard years ago a drug dealer in Chicago in the back alley say, for Christ's sake, man, give me my drugs. For Christ's sake, why that name? Why, why Christ? You know why? Because the devil wants the name of Jesus to be something that is calloused in our hearts to where there's no feeling, there's nothing, no, there's nothing about, no meaning to it. He wants to neutralize it. So he makes it something that is reduced. It is transvalued from something that is supposed to be highly regarded to something that is of low esteem. I talk to people and they, <laughs> I mean, you hear people, I, I, I reflect on so many conversations. It's amazing that even today people will have a, uh, a quick response to their favorite president. Defend, say something about 
President Obama. What? Because that's their president. Clinton, it doesn't matter. Bush, there are people who love, and all of them have made mistakes. But yet, because that's the one that they favored, if you say something against them, disagree with them, up, booked up, ready to fight tooth and nail. You're talking about my president. I said, when are you going to stand up for Jesus that way? I mean, I, I, I y'all remember in school. I mean, I've, I've witnessed some of it way back when we were in grammar school, the nerdiest of kids who get beat up all the time. When somebody says something about their mama, they jump up, what, what you mean, my mama? <laughs> Knowing they're going to get their lights knocked out. <laughs> so it's not that we can't be bold. We, we just, it's where your value is. It's not that we can't stand up and say what we need to say when we need to say it. It's just what is more valuable to you. And I'm telling you, if we're going to live for Jesus, we need to make up our mind and live for him and stand for him and speak for him because this world doesn't care about him. And if we call ourselves Christians, we need to be the ones that voice it and tell people, listen, I'm a believer. I am a Christian. I don't like the fact that you make this kind of comments about Christ or whatever. Matter of fact, Christ loves you. He died for your sins. You might want to give him a chance. You might find that he loves you. He'll save you. I want you to know that I'm a Christian. Wherever I go, I want you to know that I believe in him. Now, he's the standard because I don't care if they don't like it. That's not the point. I'm not trying to win them as friends, so to speak. I'm not trying to get them to like me. I'm not trying to be to fit in. I want them. I understand that now is the time of salvation. If people don't make a decision, they can be eternally lost. And I hate the fact that people will go to hell because no one has told them about the name of Jesus. At least let's say Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Whether you like it or not, whether you agree with it or not, let them laugh. Because in the end, we're the only ones that's going to be rejoicing. Somebody told me in New York, when I went up there, they said, man, you come talking like that up here, people find that offensive. I said, well, how are they going to feel about hell? That's more offensive. And that's, you can't get out of that offense. You can't get out of that. If they think just speaking the name of Jesus is an offense, hell is far more off offensive. But it wasn't meant for people to go there. Amen. Everybody say boldness, freedom to speak. The very opposite is this now. Dumb in scripture doesn't mean stupid. Dumb means silent, lame mouth. When someone was called dumb in scripture, they couldn't speak. They couldn't talk. All right. So the opposite was attached with that ears, unbelief. Fear, being petrified, terrified, so scared, cannot talk. I don't want to be in that because God has not given us the spirit of fear. 
Y'all hear what I said? God has not given us the spirit of fear. So if we are afraid or we are cowering to fear, that means the enemy has convinced your mind to respond to fear. And you're not supposed to, that didn't come from God, that came from the knucklehead. I have so much to share on this, but I'm gonna hold off. Go to uh, 29, this, this is what we should be. Praying. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. You see that? That's the prayer. That's what we should be praying with that. Now, Lord, behold, they are threatening. They're against your name. They're against us for standing for your name. Grant unto us, give unto us, thy servants, that with all boldness, that they may speak thy words. See, it became something that contagious, that was contagious now with the rest of the people because once they let John, Peter and John go, they went to the rest of their people. They went to the community that believed and they shared with them everything that happened and then everyone started becoming bold and they said, give us more boldness. In fact, God, as we are bold, give us boldness to speak your word and then God, he says, by stretching forth thine hand to heal, as we are bold to say to someone be healed as to say to someone God bless you to say to someone be saved is we are bold to do that stretch forth thine hand Lord and by signs and wonders may be done by the name of that holy child Jesus See, let me tell you something by the Spirit here, that as you and I make up our minds to be bold and to stand for Jesus, that you are going to see the Holy Spirit reach through your boldness to do some powerful things in your life, through your life, and around your life. I'm telling you, if you do it, you'll see God reach through you to do what his word says. If you are quiet and scared and afraid, God cannot express himself through fear. God God needs your boldness to express his power to heal, to deliver, to save. Don't listen, don't hold back your words. We live in a time that words are very, very powerful and important. This is the day of judgment. The day of judgment is not a day of death and doom. The day of judgment is a day where you have a bonus period of time to speak the word of God and God wants to show forth his power to perform that word. Are y'all listening to me? We live in this time. This is a time when you're supposed to use the word. You're supposed to speak. There are words in you, words. Everybody say words. The word of God in you is seed. It is seed. What is, what's, what's so special about that? Seed is energy. And energy, what's so special about seed being energy? Energy has the power to reproduce after its kind. So if, you are in, if you're in the word, the word's in you, and you have a friend that's sick in the hospital, you say, listen, in the name of Jesus, with his stripes you are healed. What did you just do? You just released the word toward their sickness. And that word has power. It's seed, it has power to reproduce what you just said. 
it has power to reproduce what you just said. See, there's words in you, because you've heard the word for many years now. There's words in you that will make a difference in your own life first and in the life of others. There are people that are waiting to be blessed by you. You just grab somebody by the hand and say, God bless you. You just release something on that person that's going to bless them. If you believe it. But if you don't have no faith, if you don't believe it, if you're scared to say stuff, see, that kills. That, that, that kills the potential of that word. By thy word, by thy word, you are justified. By thy word, you are condemned. Scripture says that, listen, you shall give an account for every idle word in the day of judgment. The day of judgment started 2,000 years ago. We've been in the day of judgment ever since Jesus ascended to the right hand of God and sat on the judgment seat that began the day of judgment. And the day of judgment is that time that watches over the word. He's not judging your sin. He's judging if you have faith in the word. Are y'all listening? So this is a day to be bold. Uh, give me one more. Go to uh, 1 John. I got to put this in here. 1 John 4, 17. 1 John 4, 17. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Let me say this about love because boldness is the offspring of love. Boldness is the offspring of perfect love. When love is perfected, you have no problem being bold. The problem is love, the revelation of love. Many of God's people are still afraid. Many of God's people still feel like God is punishing me. God may get me for what I did back some time ago. We still have a sin conscience. And so we are hesitant because we don't realize how much God loves us. But when you have a perfected revelation of love in you, you know there's nothing against you. And when you know there's nothing against you, you're forward, you're free to speak. Y'all with me on this? You're free to speak when you know that there's love. But when you have no love, when you don't know love, you, you're hesitant, you're reluctant. So perfect love casts out fear and it causes you to rejoice and to be bold. And this is the day that this is called for. You want to see your life change? Start learning how much God loves you. Start learning and studying how much God loves you. The more you know how much God loves you, let me tell you something, the freer your mouth becomes, un, becomes unhinged, it becomes loose to speak. Again, not argumentative, not debating, not on any of that, but just being able to free to speak. Jesus said this, the Lord is this, in the name of Jesus this. You know, no hesitation, all right, no hesitation because boldness comes forth from perfected love. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. If you receive that today, give the Lord praise. I thank the Lord and I pray that I needed this. 
I pray it helped you, but I, I, I wanted this. I wanted to sit down where you were sitting and hear this. Because it's amazing just how bold this world is becoming. Have you paid attention to how, how people are just saying anything now? I mean, even little children. Somebody was sharing with us that in the schools, these little bitty children, not even barely six years old, saying some gross, grotesque, perverted things just come out of their mouth without even a thought. And you know they mimicking the parents. Just loose mouth, say anything. That's the world we live in. So I am not, I am for one, I'm not going to be quiet about the remedy for darkness and evil and things that Jesus, if Jesus came and he, I'm not, I don't want to see that go to waste. The fact that Jesus came and he endured a crown of thorns and he was cutting aside and he was nailed to a cross, all for me to be afraid and quiet, no. No, absolutely not. I'm going to speak on behalf of him who came and died for me and he died for the whole world. But this world speaks whatever they want, like their life and what they want is on display. I hate to do this, but I'm gonna have to bring it up. My neighbor, my, I got a neighbor that just talks like her life is the center stage of all existence. A doctor with all degrees, five, six degrees, house over here, house over there in California, house over. She's a nice person but just quick to say what's going on in her life. I know one day we were picking her up from the airport. My wife and I had picked her up and she, of course, giving us the spill about her trip to whatever ski resort it was and there for two weeks skiing and and all of the wonderful things that were going on and how much it cost and how far in arrangements she got to talking about the details because she's very detail oriented how far in advance she had to plan for these for this trip and a year in advance eight months in advance and all of this stuff and how she's how many trips she's taken and she's going on and on and the holy ghost just and it just, just says say to ask her a question about her plans for eternity and ask her if she made arrangements for that trip. And that's, that is, that's, that's what he said to me. And as soon as she had a little pause, I said, excuse me, let me ask you a question. I said, since we're talking about you, you're good at making arrangements, I said, have you made arrangements for your trip to eternity? And she uh, <laughs> paused. And then she said, yeah, well, yeah, I did that a long time ago. And she doesn't go to church, and she's not active in anything, I, you know. But I left it alone right there. I said, that's going to give me platform to come in at another time, because I'm going to take it a little further. But what happened is, after they dropped me off at church, they moved on. My wife was going to take her on, because my vehicle was here. So they dropped me off here, and they were going to take her on home. And I don't know what Janet did to the woman. <laughs> Not on purpose. But she was just driving and went through one of the towns, through Madison, made it there, turned on an intersection, and through a light, 
And I guess the light had already changed or was beginning to change. And so I think it was a left hand turn. And so the neighbor is on the side of the car. If traffic had been coming, it, it would have hit her side of the car. And so she responded and was with great, great concern. My goodness, I know he just asked me about did I prepare my trip for eternity, but dang, I didn't think I was gonna need it right today. <laughs> so it got her thinking. She remembered. So, you, you know, you'd be surprised when you say the necessary things to people how the Holy Ghost will make them remember and think about it. It's not, I wasn't saying anything for her to say yes, okay, what do I need to do to get my life? I wouldn't, you know, if she wanted to do that, fine. But I just wanted to interrupt her mindset, her train of thought, where she was boldly talking about, I wanted to be bold and insert something that's more important, and that's her plans to make it to eternity through Jesus Christ. That's more important. That is far more important. And that's what I see when I deal with people. I don't care who they are. I don't care if it's a president of the United States. If I see him, I'll ask him. If it's a king of a country, I don't care who it is because the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords has a plan to save all men. And we have to be in this day and hour bold. I mean, bold to say what God gives us to say, regardless of what people think about us. Amen. This is not a popularity contest. This is about salvation and God is worthy of all the praise and whatever it is, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, that whatever fears we have, that the Lord will peel them away, peel it away in the name of Jesus. I pray that whatever hesitances we have, whatever reluctance that's in our minds, whatever happened to us in our childhood that makes us scared to approach people in the name of Jesus, I pray that the Holy Ghost peels that away and give us boldness to speak his word and speak his name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Come on and stand with me. Stand with me right now. We're going to pray. 